All right, so today we're going to talk about why we are to give thanks to God. And after a worship service like that, it seems obvious, doesn't it? (laughs) But we're going to give you some reasons. And as I was looking at this, uh, I found scripture after scripture after scripture that tell us to be thankful. And a ton of scriptures where our role models in the faith were giving thanks. And so I thought, there's no way to get across to you how much the Bible says about this without taking a few minutes and reading some of these verses. So be patient with me. We're going to talk about a lot of verses and I I don't have them on the screen because we're just going to go one right after the other. But I want you to sit back and think about how much the Lord has to say about giving thanks. The first reason that we're going to see that we're to give thanks is that we are commanded to give thanks and our heroes of the faith model thankfulness. Now we're going to go in order, and there's a lot of them. First Chronicles 16.8 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. First Chronicles 16.34 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. 1 Chronicles 29.13 says, And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. 2 Chronicles 5.13 says, And it was the duty of the trumpeters and singers to make themselves heard in unison in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. Ezra 3.11 says, And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. Psalm seven seventeen says, I will give to the Lord the thanks due to his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord the Most High. Psalm 9, 1 says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. Psalm 28, 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts. And I am helped, my heart exalts, and with my song I give thanks to him. Psalm 34 says, Sing praise to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. Psalm 30.12 says, O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Psalm 35.18 says, I will thank you in the great congregation, in the mighty throng I will praise you. Psalm 50, 14 says, Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High God. Psalm 69, 30 says, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Psalm 75, 1 says, We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks, for your name is near. We recount your wondrous deeds. Psalm 92.1 says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. Psalm 95.2 says, Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Psalm 104, verse 4, 100, verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise, give thanks to him, bless his name. Psalm 105 Verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. Psalm 106.1 says, Praise the Lord, oh, give thanks. 
to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 107.1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 116, verse 17 says, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. Psalm 118.1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 136.1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 136, verse 3 says, Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 147.7 says, Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving, make melody to our God on the lyre. Isaiah 12.4 says, And you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Jeremiah thirty nineteen, Out of them shall come songs of thanksgiving and the voices of those who celebrate. I will multiply them and they shall not be few. I will make them honored and they shall not be small. Jeremiah thirty three eleven says, Give thanks to the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Daniel 2.23 says, To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Daniel 6.10 says, When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. Jonah 2.9 says, But I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Now in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 1.4 says, I give thanks to my God always for you, because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15.57 says, But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. 2 Corinthians 4.15 says, For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 9, 11 and 12 says, You will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Ephesians 1, 16 says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Ephesians 5, 3 and 4 but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Do you see what is the opposite of these bad things? Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking which is out of place for a believer, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.3 says, I thank my God in all my remembrances of you. 
Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Colossians 1, 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. Colossians 3.15 And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3.17 And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 4.2 Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 1, 2, we give thanks to God, always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. 2 Thessalonians 1, 3 says, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Second Thessalonians 2.13 But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the firstfruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. First Timothy 1.2 I thank Him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. 1 Timothy 2, 1. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. 1 Timothy 4, 4 and 5. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is to be received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. 2 Timothy 1.3, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29, Therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Revelation 7.12 says, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Revelation eleven seventeen, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. Do you see a theme throughout the entire word of God? It says that we are to give thanks. And those who love the Lord give thanks. And in the Old Testament, we keep hearing this refrain, give thanks to the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Remember that I said we're commanded to give thanks. Well, listen to this instruction. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus for you, as Buddy read to us earlier. Now people constantly want to know what the will of God is. That is the most asked question, I think, of of any preacher or any uh, ministry. 
you know, ministries will have these opportunities for you to write in or call in and ask them questions. And repeatedly, the question that they get is, how can I know the will of God for my life? Well, one of the things we can know absolutely for certain is the will of God for your life is in verse 18 where it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, does that really mean all circumstances? Yes, that's what it says. Now, what if you get a bad diagnosis from your doctor? All right, I really don't want one of those. Uh, And I'm not sure how I would respond if I got one. But I know how I should respond if I got one. And that is, I should be grateful that I'm a believer. Because guys, for a believer, there are two possible options, right? One option is, you get better here. The other is, you go to be with your Lord, where he heals you there. So you either get healed, or you go be in his presence and get healed. Now, the sticky part is, what about the in-between time? When you're miserable because there's no healing and you're not yet in his presence. Well, that's a lot harder, isn't it? And yet we are to be thankful even in the midst of circumstances like that. And the only way that I can see that we can do that is by God's grace and the help and support of the church. We need to have faith that Romans eight eighteen is true. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the Christian, suffering is fleeting, but the glory that will be revealed is an eternal glory, and we should give thanks for that. You know, the worst thing that I can imagine is the loss of a child. Would we be supposed to thank God for that? Well, maybe not for that, but we should thank God in that circumstance. Now, we could thank God that he is merciful, that he understands our frailty and our pain, and that he alone could use even a nightmare like that to bring glory to himself. And so, guys, it's not that we are thankful for every single thing that occurs, because sometimes bad stuff happens to us. But we can be thankful in those circumstances for the overarching, pervading goodness of God. You know, everybody has problems, but only Christians have an all-good, all-wise, omnipotent Father who can carry them through those problems. That is why even if we can't be thankful for every single thing that happens, we can still give thanks in all circumstances. But I'm straying to my next point, though, which is, he deserves our thanks. Psalm 95 says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. He deserves our thanks because he is God and he allows us to serve him, to worship him, and even, as these verses say, to come into his presence. That is why you should never, ever, ever be bored in worship. If you will think for a minute before you come in here to sing praise to God, 
I am about to have an audience with the creator of the universe where he is going to allow me to express worship to him. It's hard to be bored if you think about that. Uh, Now, really, the whole service is worship. But I think that it's largely my fault if you're bored during the sermon part. I'll, I'll take the blame for that. But if we're in here and we're worshiping together and raising our voices together to honor the Lord, my goodness, if you're, if you're bored or if you're going, uh, you know, we didn't sing that song when I was 30, so that's probably not a good song. Think about what we're doing, guys. Think about who the audience is. Jimmy doesn't sing for us. This is not us watching Jimmy sing. Although, if he had a concert, I'd come watch him sing because he's a good singer. right? But that's not what we do on Sunday morning. We come in here to jointly sing to one person, and that is God. right? We come to express our joy and our love and our gratitude to Him. If you really believed that, and if I really believed that, we would never have any half-hearted worship going on. So let me challenge you with that, guys. I want you to think before you come in here next Sunday morning. We have one audience member that we are about to sing for, and that is our holy creator God. Then we'll come in here with joy, maybe with a little healthy fear, and we will sing with all our hearts. If you really believed that you were singing to this God and we're bored anyway, then I would just have to conclude, you don't understand who God is at all. Verse 4 says, In his hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land. Guys, he deserves our thanks because this is his world. (laughs) I mean, it's his air we breathe, it's his ground we walk on. It's his food that we will probably overindulge in on Thursday. Everything is his. You know, my kids have never said this, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that they would know better than to say it. But what if my kids came up to me and said, you are no longer allowed in my room anymore? Let me tell you what I would say. I would say, your room? <laughs> you don't have a room. <laughs> I have a room. Your mother and I pay the mortgage. You don't pay the mortgage. You inhabit one of the rooms in my house, right? That would be how that conversation goes. And it's the same thing, except much worse when we try to keep God out of certain areas. There are areas of our lives we want God not to trespass in, aren't there? I mean, if we're really being honest. Let me tell you, God can't trespass because every molecule in this universe is here because he created it and he sustains it. But it's not really physical trespass that we're worried about with God, right? Instead, we worry that he might want to control areas of our lives that we don't want him in. I mean, everyone, everyone who is sane wants their get out of hell free card. If you believe in heaven or hell, you would have to be completely mad to say, I want to go to hell. Everybody wants to get out of hell free card. But many people who say to Jesus, they say, Lord, Lord, they don't really want him to interfere, especially in a couple of areas. They want him to stay out of their bedrooms and out of their finances. And guys, we can't tell God, hey, you're intruding when you want into these parts of my life. 
Because, guys, we're dust. (laughs) He formed us from dust, breathed life into us, and gave us everything that we have. We need to trust that the one who made us knows exactly what is best for us. You know, young couples nowadays are, they have a lot of peer pressure to do away with antiquated biblical ideas of chastity before marriage. They may be antiquated by today's standards, but they are nevertheless still absolutely valid because God is still the same God that he was when he gave the instructions. He doesn't change his mind according to the latest poll numbers, right? Our politicians do that all the time. God never does that. Lots of folks want God's material blessing, but most who claim to be Christians don't even give substantially to the work of the church. Generosity needs, as its precursor, thankfulness. If and when we realize that all we have and all that we are belong to God, then we'll be able to do with ourselves and with our stuff exactly what God wants done with them. We have to start with that perspective of thankfulness and realization that it's all His anyway. Verse 6 says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for His steadfast love endures forever. Not only did God make us and everything that we enjoy, but also His love for those who are in Christ endures forever. Once we repent and place our faith in Christ, God credits our sin to Jesus and His righteousness to us. And I know you hear me say that every week. Um, But let me talk to you for a second about how that exchange works. You know, when we are saved, we are united with Christ. I've told you before that the, the answer to poverty is, if you don't have enough money and don't have as much money as you want to, go and marry a millionaire. Okay. Now, you may say, well, that's a good idea. The problem is there aren't a whole lot of millionaires wanting to marry me. Well, there is one with unlimited righteousness, unlimited resource that does want to marry you, that does want to be joined to you. And so when we repent of our sins and put our faith in Christ, we are joined to Christ. You know, uh, you're either plugged in or you're not plugged in. I mean, if you have a vacuum cleaner that has a cord on it and you plug that thing into the wall, it has all the power it needs and it runs like it's supposed to when it's plugged into the wall, right? When you unplug it, no matter how much you paid for that vacuum cleaner, if it's one that runs on a cord, it's not going to do anything anymore, right? And so if we are plugged in, if we are joined with Christ, then that's how we have all the resources of Christ. That's how we have all the righteousness of Christ is because we are in him. Jesus said in John fifteen five, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. After we are in Christ, we are loved and adopted and given eternal life. Now, let me ask you something. If you were to receive eternal life today and you were to lose it in a year, that wouldn't be eternal life, would it? That'd be one year life, wouldn't it? (laughs) Guys, when we are saved, when we are joined to Christ, when we are married to this one that has limitless wealth and riches of righteousness, When we are joined with him, 
then guys, all our debts go away. They are absorbed into his wealth. And that is when we get that eternal life. Eternal life is not something you get when you die. It's something you get when you are joined to Christ. And so we don't have to wait and see after we die where we're going to end up. Because it's nailed down before you die. If you are in Christ, you are already on track to be glorified and to be with Christ. And there's nothing that can change that. If you are separated from Christ when you die, there's no second chance. So when we die, guys, we either got to be in Christ or out of Christ. And you decide before that time where you want to be. For those of us who are truly in Christ, God's love is steadfast and endures forever. Didn't we hear that verse over and over and over in the Old Testament? That is a big deal to them. It's a big deal to me. That is something that we should forever be grateful for. And you know, there are a lot of things that are going to end when we transition from this life to the next life. But one of the things that's not going to end is our gratitude and our worship and our praise so guys, when we get together in here and we worship and we sing prayers of adoration and we pray and we thank God and we talk about how glorious he is, those are things we're going to be doing for the rest of eternity. Another thing we're going to be doing for the rest of eternity is being loved and cherished by God because his mercy and his love endure forever. Our next point is that thanksgiving helps us to be humble. All right, first we're commanded to give thanks, and that's a good reason. We could have stopped there, but that had been a short sermon. All right, we are commanded to give thanks. The second thing is that he deserves our thanks. And if you know anything about him, you know that he does. But next, thanksgiving helps us to be humble. And guys, we need all the help we can get in that area. Our natural tendency is to think that we have earned everything that we have. And truth be told, we probably deserve more, right? I mean, how many folks say, I'm, you know, I, I really am respected all I deserve at my job. Um, you know, they really, they pay me more than they should. We don't have that attitude. We think, uh, I'm good at this. I deserve their respect. And I probably deserve more and more, right? I'm not the only prideful sinner here, am I? I mean, y'all are just sitting there looking at me. Okay, okay. So y'all know how that is. We are prideful. We tend to think we're awesome. And we want other people to think we're awesome and tell us. Romans 1.21 shows us that failing to give thanks to God is the sign of a depraved spirit. Listen to this description of lost men and women. Romans 1.21 says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, because, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. They did not honor Him nor give thanks to Him. That is the sign of a depraved and lost individual. We are dependent on God for everything, period. Whether we realize it or not, we can either be grateful for it, or we can thumb our nose at God and pretend that we're self-sufficient. And that should be a marked difference between those of us who are in Christ and those of us who are not. Let's remember to be thankful rather than fool ourselves and mock God in the process. So thanksgiving is good for us. But it's also good for us in that thanksgiving helps us focus on what we have, rather than what we do not have. 
There's a reason why God has to tell us in Scripture to give thanks and to not covet, right? You don't have to tell your little children to learn to lie and to learn to steal cookies, right? We have to be told those things that are against our nature. Our sinful inclination is to do the exact opposite of being thankful and not being covetous. If someone has something that we perceive as better than what we have, our inclination is to think that there's some injustice in that, right? If you don't believe me, watch the next presidential debate. Our country's renewed fascination with socialism is entirely based on covetousness. Why should those who work hard and produce goods and services have more stuff than those who don't feel like working? Our socialist politicians say that everyone should have equal prosperity. What our, so, what our fellow citizens don't realize that are thinking for voting for socialists is that we won't have equal prosperity. We will have equal lack. We will have uh, you know, equal poverty is what we'll end up having. Believers must guard against this as well. But I tell you, the lost person, covetousness is a powerful force alive and well in the, in the heart of a lost person. That's why if you say, how in the world could socialism actually be making a comeback in the United States of America? Covetousness is why. And we believers have to fight against that tendency in ourselves. You know, the thing for which we should be most grateful is the fact that God has reconciled us to himself through the life and death and resurrection of his son. You know, the gospel is this, and I know some of you hear this every week, and I hope you hear it so much that you can say it in your sleep. <laughs> so that next time you are talking to someone and you are able to have an opportunity to share the gospel with them, You'll go, hey, I didn't memorize this speech, but I've heard this every week for the past year. I know what I'm supposed to say here. Let me tell you what the gospel is. Here is the gospel. God made us, and he told us what to do. And instead, our forefathers and foreparents decided, I know there's this good creator that gave me life, that gave me joy, that gave me happiness, that gave me a mate, that gave me this beautiful garden, that gave me the fruit of every single tree of the garden, except this one. <laughs> All right, we've got him, and he's telling us what to do. And then we've got the word of a serpent who comes and says, hey, you know, God's really holding out on you. He's really not giving you what's best. What's really best is if you will rebel against what he said and listen to what I say instead. And so they decided to take the word, to put their faith in the word of the serpent over the word of God. And that rebellion started there, but it continues down through each and every one of us. Every time we sin, whether we decide that God has told us to do something and we're not going to do it, or whether he has said, you shouldn't do this, and we say, you can't tell me what to do, I'm going to do it anyway. Every time we sin against God, we ratify the decision that they made. And so there is a problem between us and God. You see, God is just. And if someone is just, they can't just overlook sin. They can't just say, oh, it's no big deal. Because God has to carry out justice. And when he carries out justice, what that means for you and for me is hell and punishment. 
Now, guys, we can't do enough good things to fix our bad things. When I was a little kid, that's what I thought. I thought, hey, if I do enough good stuff, maybe I can outweigh the bad stuff and God will still be happy with me. Well, then I read the Bible and I found that's not true. We can't go back to perfect. Once we've sinned, once we've rebelled against God, there's no way to go back to perfect, is there? So, we were in a helpless, hopeless situation. So what God did was, He sent His Son to live the life we couldn't live, to die the death that we deserved, to pay for my sin and for your sin. And then the Lord Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And then we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that every single thing He said, everything He claimed is true because God's seal of approval, that ultimate seal of approval of the resurrection is on Jesus Christ. And so when he came back from the dead, he offered to make that union with us that I talked about earlier. You know, I said if we're poor, the, <laughs> the way to get rich is marry a millionaire. Well, we've got one in Jesus Christ who is unimaginably rich in righteousness. And he is willing to unite himself with us so that our sin can be paid for and his righteousness can be credited to us. That is what the gospel is. And that is something to be profoundly grateful for. And it's something also that we should take and we should give to other people. You know, I talked about how generosity comes after Thanksgiving. Let's be so thankful for the gospel and thankful for our personal salvation, that we are willing to be generous with the gospel and to get that to other people. Brother, what are we going to sing? Make us one. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. And if you are here today and you say, I have something that I'm praying about that is a burden to me and I want you to share that burden. I want you to come up and pray with me if, that, if you would like to. It would be my honor. Second thing is, if you are looking for a church home and you say, you know, I've checked you guys out. I want to be part of this church. You come and join. Well, you can't join, but you can tell me you want to join and we'll start the process. The third thing is the most important thing. If you are not certain that if you died tonight, you would go to heaven and be with the Lord because you're not in Christ yet. If you are not certain about that, come up and talk to me because I can tell you how you can be certain. So if you have any of those three things that you'd like to talk to me about, you come up right when we start singing.